You know, part of the Apostles' Creed and the declaration that we made together a few minutes ago, one of the phrases in that said that we believe in the Holy Spirit. I want to, this morning, just take a moment just to uh, promo something for us here at the Eastside Campus of Celebration Church. We do believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in who the Holy Spirit is and what He does and how He works in our hearts and our lives. And, you know, I've come to understand as I've... uh, Spend many years uh, as a born-again believer and in ministry. And so often for each one of us, and maybe there's some here this morning. In fact, I'm sure there's many here this morning that would agree with me on this. That when it comes to the Trinity and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, even that we, as we sung about it this morning as part of our worship, we have some understanding. We have an understanding of who God the Father is. We may even have a good understanding of who God the Son, Jesus is, what he did for us when he came and he suffered and died on the cross and gave his life so that you and I could be set free from our sin. But very often we don't know too much about who the Holy Spirit is and what is he doing in our lives? What part does he play in our walk with God? I want to encourage you. We have a class that we give here that actually I I teach on a Wednesday night. And not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, we're going to be meeting again. And we're going to be meeting in the Bayside Room. And some of you have signed up. But I want to encourage you, to, if you can, to be a part of that class. To come. It's a five-week class. And basically, we're talking about who is the Holy Spirit. And what part does He play in our life? You see, not one of us would be here this morning if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit and His part in our lives. You see, before you even came to salvation, before you even came to know or to hunger after God, before you even came to the place of praying a prayer or being led into an experience, the the encounter with God that we talk about as being, being born again or salvation, it's the Holy Spirit that's convicting you, that's nudging you, that's drawing you, bringing you to that place. And the Holy Spirit is involved from the very beginning in our lives. Being involved in that, in that process of salvation. He's involved in the process in our life as, as we mature, as we grow as Christians, as we become more holy, as we go from our, the maturity of allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to touch our lives and put His finger on areas in our life and challenge us, becoming filled with the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Holy Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the long-suffering. We also, the Holy Spirit is involved in gifting us as believers, that we may be anointed to have the strength to be a victorious Christian, to walk in victory. It's the Holy Spirit that's at work in our lives. So I want to encourage you. Come along and uh, be a part of that class. I know that you will be blessed as a result of it. All right, this morning I want to share with you uh, in, in a particular area a challenge to us as a, as a congregation, as the Eastside Campus of Celebration Church. One of the things, if you've been attending Celebration Church, one of the network churches, and particularly here at the Eastside Campus, if you've been attending here for any length of time, there's something that you will have heard us say, something that you will have seen and experienced and continually hear us talk about that we strongly emphasize is that we want to encourage you to find a way to connect with the church, a place that you can Consider family. Be a part of the family of God. A place that you could connect. A place that you can become family. A place that we would encourage you and continue to encourage you to do what we term 
doing life with us. Come and do life with us. Come join with us in doing life. That's not just a phrase, words that we like to throw around. We really mean it. We really want to encourage an opportunity to do that. Now, the best way that you can do that is finding a place to serve, to make available your uniqueness, your abilities, your gifting to serve and give. All right? You see, you and I are different. You and I are unique. All right? Would you do something for me this morning? Would you join with me in saying these simple words and responding to these words with me or say the words with me? All right? Just simple words by saying, I'm different. All right? Would you say it with me? I'm different. Try that again. I'm different. Would you say, I'm unique? Now nudge the person next to you and say to that person next to you, yeah, I really am different from you. All right? We're different. God has created us different. He's created us unique. I mean, it would be wonderful, wonderful, wonderful if everybody in the universe, and well, everybody right here this morning at east side, so if everybody looked like me, wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> My wife would be confused, but it would be... No, it wouldn't. We are different. God has created us different. He's created us unique. God created us this way. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Now, the next two Sundays, Pastor Ross mentioned this in the announcements, but next Sunday and the Sunday after that, we are going to be having what we call our volunteer expo in the lobby area. There's going to be a number of tables and set up there and a lot of opportunities for you to have a look and see what part can you play in volunteering, serving, finding an opportunity to serve, a place that you can plug in, a place that you can become family, a place that you can get connected here at Celebration Church and particularly at the east side at this campus of Celebration Church. Not only right here, but we're also going to want to encourage. We, we encourage people, and many of you are already doing this. Many of you are involved in serving in, in some of the ministries and some of the opportunities outside of the four walls of this building. Places like Manor for Life, uh, Freedom House, some of the other ministries that are out in, in, in the city here of Green Bay that you can get involved in, that you can serve, that you can give of yourself. All something that's very, very important. Now, serving is not always a subject that we can be comfortable with, Right? When you hear the word serving, you know, it kind of sounds like another word, and that word is work. And we we got to the place where the word work has become one of these four-letter words where we don't particularly care for the word work too much. Work sounds like work. I've got to get up on a Monday morning and go to work. I've got to go to work every day of the week, and for some it's Saturday, Sunday, work. And we've got to the place where work kind of gives us a a bit of taste in our mouth. And I think sometimes we hear the same thing when we hear serving. It sounds like work. One thing, it's definitely a situation where I'm putting aside my desires for the good of somebody else. And sometimes that's not so easy. That's not so easy. But I want to say to us this morning, I want to say to each one of us this morning, is that we can do that. We are actually encouraged to do that. We are actually challenged to do that. We are actually, based upon God's word, Strongly encourage you to say, find a place to serve. Let's have a look at a scripture this morning. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 20, and starting at verse 20 to going through verse 28, and this is out of the Message Bible initially. All right, I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible with you, turn to your Bible. I know we've got the Bible up on the screens as well, and that's good, that's great. It's also good to have your own Bible and be able to reference it in your own Bible as well. Because you know what? Opportunities with your own Bible, you don't get to take the screens home with you, all right? 
you do get to take your own Bible home with you, especially if you've underlined something. Or you've, by the way, how many of you know it's okay to underline something in your Bible? All right? I promise it's all right. You can, you can underline something in your Bible. You can write some notes uh, on the side of the Bible. It's all right. It, it, it'll, it'll be just fine. And if you get too many notes in there, you can buy another Bible and write on that one too. Matthew chapter 20, it says this. It was about the time that the mother of Zebedee's brothers came with her two sons and knelt before Jesus with a request. What do you want? Jesus asked. She said, give your word that these two sons of mine will be awarded the highest places of honor in your kingdom. One at your right hand and one at your left. Boy, don't you just love moms? Don't you just love moms? Boy, that can be pretty bold. Don't you think it was pretty bold? Here the, son, the mother of two of the disciples was just walking up to Jesus and, and, and saying, Jesus, you know, i got these two sons. Man, they're cool. They are really, man, they, they got their stuff together. And, and, and Jesus, they are so valuable, so great in your kingdom. You should put one on your right-hand side and one on your left. You know, I remember my mom. Back before I, when I was still rebelling against God and running from God and, and doing everything I, can, I could to stay away from God, I remember I had a mom who was pretty bold as well. Now, she didn't go before God and say, God, would you put Lathan on the right-hand side or on the left-hand side? But she would come before God regularly over and over and say to God, God, he is a good boy. He really is a good boy. You know, he's a good boy. Continue to nudge him. Continue to challenge him. Continue to pursue him. He's a good boy. Thank goodness for my mom. Thank goodness that she was willing to pray those prayers over and over again. Well, let's look at what Jesus responded. Jesus' response in verse 22 was this. You have no idea what you're asking. And he said to James and John, who were standing right there, are you capable of drinking the cup that I'm about to drink? And their response was, sure, why not? Jesus said, come to think of it, you are going to drink my cup. But as to awarding places of honor, that's not my business. My father is taking care of that. Then listen to these next verses from verse 24. When the ten others, the other ten disciples, heard about this, they lost their tempers, thoroughly disgusted with the two brothers. They were pretty upset with these other... You know, it's, it's wonderful to know that the disciples were a lot like us. A lot like us. They would up, got upset in a situation like this. Being real, all right? So Jesus got them all together to settle things down, and he said, You've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to their heads. Now listen, it's not going to be that way with you. Jesus has challenged his disciples. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Let me say that again. Whoever wants to be great, whoever wants to be a big deal, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that verse of Scripture, and I'm sure in the day, probably these disciples that were there as well, probably when they heard this from Jesus, I'm sure that their first response was, Oh, man, Jesus, surely not. 
Do, surely you, you don't really mean that. What, what about conquering the world around about us? What about conquering the Roman Empire? What about us getting out of slavery? What about us stamping our authority and establishing the kingdom? What about that, Jesus? What, that, that, that would be great. What about taking the world by storm? What about healing the sick? What about raising the dead? What about doing the works? That's what you, that, that would make us great. But instead... Jesus' response was, you want to be great? You need to serve. If you want to be a big deal, you need to serve. Let's look at another verse of Scripture. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. It's a story about Jesus on the, uh, on, at Passover, and when they gathered together to the Passover right before he was about to be arrested, he did something that was very special, and he challenged the disciples to have the same attitude. Let's read it. It said, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table... All right, very important part of the, the, the time that they were together, before they were going to have the Passover together. They were all sitting there, and Jesus was, was, was with the disciples, and he started to demonstrate to them something that was very important. He got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured, a water, poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with a towel that he had around him. He began to serve them. Customary in that, in that time to wash your feet after traveling and you come to someone's home, wash. But usually it was done by the least person, the person of least distinction. Here Jesus was the one that did it. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, well, well then, <laughs> Jesus, how about not just my feet, but do my hands, do my head, just, and just throw the whole bucket of water over me. Wash me completely. Wash me completely. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not to need to wash except for the feet. To be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And then he said this, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher. You call me Lord. You call me the greatest. You call me, and you're right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus challenged them to serve. I bet those disciples at that time responded in a very similar way. Oh, Jesus, do you know how humbling it is to wash someone's feet? You know, that's not supposed to be for us. We're disciples. We're one of the twelve. We're the chosen. And now you're wanting us to kneel and wash each other's feet? That's kind of humbling. That's a humbling experience. 
Serving. It's humbling. You know, whatever area a person serves in, as we challenge to serve, and as I'm sharing this, and even in a few moments, going to share some examples and some places and some challenges to you as part of a, a celebration network in terms of serving. It's humbling. It can be a humbling. Some of you maybe have served in the children's ministry here. Maybe you've been down in the nursery with a group of kids there, and you've had that little one in your in your hands, and you're in your, you know, and you're taking care of them, and they're crying and a little upset, and uh, you know, kind of looking at them, and suddenly they kind of start coughing a little bit and kind of look a little bit yellow, and well, the next minute, boy, you wouldn't believe what suddenly comes out of their mouth and all over you. It's kind of humbling. Kind of humbling, all right? Maybe serving a meal to somebody that's homeless. An opportunity to serve some people in our community that is, that is humble. Maybe even just smiling at someone who may come to church, may walk in the door, a new person, and just, just smiling at them and, and welcoming them. Serving. S- serving. Now, Jesus was challenging his disciples, and I believe challenging you and I as well, that we are too, as he served, we're to serve as well. Now, you may say, all right, Pastor Latham, uh, okay, I, I, I hear Christ, Jesus is wanting us to do that, and I want to I serve, but one of the things that I need to embrace and know is what, is what is the motivation? What motivates me to serve? What motivates you to serve? What would motivate us to be a servant? If we want to be great and serve, I want to put it real simply here this morning. What motivates us or should motivate us to serve is simply just because you love Jesus. Simple. No other reason. It's not we, we don't serve because we must. We don't serve because we think that by serving it's going to cover some of the sins in my life. We don't serve because we think, well, if I serve, surely somebody's going to recognize it and they're going to pat me on the back and say, well done. But we serve just because we love Jesus. Look at John chapter 21 with me, starting at verse 15. It's a story of Peter and Jesus, and Jesus was talking to Peter. And he was testing and challenging Peter's motivation for his service. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, more than everything around about you? And Peter's response was, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Serve. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter, getting a little agitated now. He was a little hurt that Jesus asked him the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. See, Peter was asked three times by Jesus, how much do you love me? What is your motivation? And as, Je- as Peter responded, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Even getting a little frustrated with the questions, Jesus' response to him was, well, then follow me. Serve me. Do what I am doing. Be a person that's ready to serve. Just because you love me. Just because you love me. Now, this morning is campus pastor here, I want to offer you some suggestions of what service can look like. 
This is not going to be a list that you can write down and put on your refrigerator door and check off. I've done that one, I've done that one, I've done that one, I've done that one. These are just different challenges to you and to me of what serving could look like. If I want to be great, if I want to be a big deal, if I want to love God, how can I serve? How can I serve? How can I be connected? How can I be a servant? All right, let me share a couple with you. First of all, service of, we can, the service of bearing one another's burdens is a wonderful way that you and I can serve. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says this, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ, the law of love. Carry each other's burdens. You see, bearing one another's burdens kind of means that I come alongside somebody, somebody's in need, somebody needs some help, somebody needs some support. I come alongside them, and I help to carry their load. Humbling. Not all that glorious. But I come along and I carry, help to carry. I, I just walk, can go up to somebody and that I see has a burden that they're carrying and just simply ask them the question or simply ask them or say to them, can I help you? Can I help you? Can I serve and help you carry your burden? Another service that we can perform is serving the service of encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, it says this, let the message about Christ in all its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God and be thankful. Teach and counsel one another. You know, that's not just speaking to the pastors. That's not just, it's speaking to all of us. That we can encourage one another. I don't, I would be absolutely assured this morning that there's not one single person here this morning that doesn't need encouragement. I know sometimes we think we get to the place, well, I don't really need the pat on the back. I don't, well, you may not be needed as much as somebody else, but we all like to be encouraged. We all like to be challenged. We all need to be encouraged. Let's look at another one. What about the service of forgiving one another? Colossians 3.13. It says this, make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. The service of forgiving. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgiving anyone who offends you. I know that one thing about Wisconsin that I'm coming to learn more and more is that most people here in Wisconsin seem to enjoy the outdoors, right? They enjoy camping. I know there's a group of men that this weekend have been at a camp called the Manly Camp. I think some of them got back this morning. There's a few of them that are still there. And I had the opportunity on Friday night to go out late Friday, spend Friday night with them, and Saturday till about lunchtime, and then came back from the, from the Manly Camp. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's got to be Wisconsin. I mean, it really does. You know, we, it's minus 20 degrees, pretty cold. And we go outside... And we build a, well, the fire was already there, and we all stand around this fire, looking at the fire <laughs> and talking. You know, I, in my wildest imagination, when I lived in South Africa, I never thought that one day I'd be standing around a fire in minus 40, 20 degrees. <laughs> and, you know, the interesting part about it was we, we, the fire was there. We'd all stand real close, and, boy, this side was all toasty. <laughs> Wonderful. There's icicles hanging off my back. 
And then almost like when someone would ring a bell, we'd all turn around and put our butts in the fire. And the icicles would melt, and they would form on this side. Got to be Wisconsin. And we talk about the bear stories and how the bears were going to get beaten. Uh, I mean, sorry, that was the wrong bear story. Uh, but we run the fire. You know, camping, you're not going to see this, obviously, in, uh, uh, in the winter. But camping during the summer, you know, how many of you, when you go camping, just love it when there's a whole lot of flies around? There's flies all over the place. And you're swatting at the flies, and they become a nuisance, right? Well, you know, thinking about this service of forgiving one another, I couldn't help but think, and uh, talking with, with Pastor Keith during the week, week about this, how so often when we allow and don't allow ourselves to forgive someone else of an offense, or even someone close to us, or even, even the church. It's almost like, like this. All right, I'm sure you can't see it, but it says flycatcher. You know this, this sticky paper stuff? I didn't do a good job in the first service. Let me see if I can do a better job in the second service of opening this up. I've got a great story to tell you, but ah, a little bit better. But you know this, this sticky paper? that you pull out when you're camping and you hang up somewhere. And, you know, it's, this sticky paper is kind of like an offense. All right? I've got this, someone's offended me and it's now become very sticky. Then when there's flies, little irritations around about me, there's nothing, you know, I can swat at a fly. I mean, it's nothing serious. But the more this offense is here and the irritation is here and I'm not dealing with it, the service of forgiving, those flies get attached to it. And the next minute I've just got, I'm in an ugly-looking mess, filled with flies. And it becomes a blockage in my walk with God. It becomes a blockage in my service. I don't even want to serve anybody because I've got this sticky mess here because of the irritation of the fence. Serving by forgiving. Quick story from the first service, and it has nothing to do with the illustration, but it's, it's pretty funny. It may happen. The last, last service, I couldn't get that out properly, so I stuck my fingers in there, and so I got a lot of that sticky stuff on my hand. All right? It was fun when it came to communion. <laughs> you know, it's amazing what goes on up here when, you, when you're up here and you, the things that you think about as you're speaking. It was right in the communion. We get ready to take the bread, and I pick up the bread with the same hand that the sticky stuff was on. And as we're praying, I get ready to stick it in my mouth. I'm thinking to myself, what if it doesn't come off my fingers? And I can't get it in there. I've got to... Anyway, all right, we better move on. The service of forgiving one another. The service of praying for each other. We won't take time to read that scripture, but an important service. Ways that we should be serving. There's other services as well. All right? The service of small things. Do you know that you can serve in the small things? We read about it in God's Word. The lady by the name of Dorcas made clothes for the widows. The small things. There are so many small opportunities that you and I can serve in. That doesn't have to be blazed across the room. But it's, I'm serving, and based upon God's word, it says, you want to be great? You want to be a big deal? You serve in the small things, in the small areas of life. The service of common courtesy is another service. You know that kind of common courtesy when someone comes up and you say, hi, how are you? Or, thank you. Or, please. Or maybe just showing an appreciation. The common courtesies of life. It's a service. I remember when we first came to the country in 93, we moved down into Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's where we first were in for 10 years. We lived before we came up to Wisconsin. 
And I remember going for the first time in Tulsa, Oklahoma, into some of the gas stations, filling up my car with gas, and going into a gas station. And the gas station that, that, that became very popular for us to use was uh, a quick trip, QT. Uh, and one of the reasons was, it, I mean, it, this was unique to me, you know, this African from, from, from South Africa. I'd walk through the door, and the guy in the counter is saying, good morning, hi, how are you? And I'm thinking he's wanted a conversation. I almost want to walk over to him and just, you know, spend about 15 minutes there. Obviously, that's not what he wanted. He was just forming a connection. He was being, he'd learned what it meant to create, to serve in that way. I remember the, here at uh, going to festival the first time a couple of years ago and going getting all the groceries and going to the checkout line and going, putting the, the groceries through the checkout line, giving them my card, and they would ring it up, and then they handed the card back to me, and they said, thank you, Mr. Duncan. How did you know my name? You know, it confused me for a while. You know, look, I am from Africa. Give me a break. It confused me for a while. I thought, how did she know my name? Of course, when I got in the car, I realized she's got my card. It's on. My name's on the car. But they had taught the people there to, to, by calling the name, making that connection, serving people in that way, create, creates this connection, this service of common courtesy. I would challenge those of you that are part of the Celebration Eastside Campus, as new people come, as people visit with us, and people are here, go up to them. Be courteous to them. Even if you're not one of the greeters or one of the ushers, ask them their name. And then do the best you possibly can to remember their name. <laughs> and be courteous, all right? The service of hospitality. Let me finish with this one. The service of listening. Do you know that listening can be a service? Listening. Listening to somebody Listening maybe to your husband, to your wife, to your children, to your parents. Maybe even listening to your pastor. Common courtesy or the, the service of listening. That I can, and you know what? Listening and not answering. Because so often we are listening to somebody and we've got the answer already. You know, there's, a, I believe, a very strong correlation between how we listen to those around about us in terms of how we listen to God. We have God's Word. And we read God's Word. And while we're reading God's Word, we're already coming up with an answer. We already have, but God, but God, not, but, but, but. We need to be a serving service of simply listening. A great importance to it. Uh, there, there, there are a number of others, but we, I'm going to stop there. The fact of we want to be great in God's kingdom. We want to be a people that, that the whole atmosphere of Celebration Church is one of serving. Serving each other, yes. Serving beyond our four walls. That Green Bay and our surrounding community would see us as a people. A people that are willing to put the towel around our waist, get down on our knees, get that bowl of water, and wash the feet of those that are around about us. I'm going to invite our ushers if they would come as we just prepare for communion and the worship team as they come back. I'm going to want to finish by sharing with you this message or this finish the message by sharing this story with you that I read this past week. And it fits so well into this message. And I want to share it with you. It attracted me when I first read it. The first thing that jumped out at me, it's talking about uh, an aircraft carrier in the U.S. Navy. And it just jumped at me because my, my dad in the Second World War was on an aircraft carrier in the, in the Navy. He was in the Pacific and he served on one of the aircraft carriers for, for the U.S. And so it jumped right out at me. I remember as a little boy walking around with his, little, his Navy hat on, put it on my head, and there was a blast. But here 
what this illustration has to do with serving. It says, consider the aircraft carrier, large, massive, and powerful. It's a self-contained community of 5,000 men or women working, eating, and doing life together. Each person on a mission, each with a unique role. The mission? To further forward deploy or send its 90 aircraft to places the carrier cannot go. The carrier's impact is measured by its deployment of the planes. Take away their deployment, and the carrier is a simple floating piece of metal, dead weight. The crew of 5,000 serves to support the 120 pilots who fly those 90 aircraft. The majority provides supporting roles such as cooking, cleaning, operating the power plant, and more. In fact, less than 5% of the crew actually forward deploy the planes. Not everyone is a pilot, but everyone has a role. Likewise, the local church. Likewise, Celebration Church. Likewise, the Eastside Campus. Regardless of its form, it requires a crew, each with a unique role. God calls us to support the fellowship of believers by serving one another as a family. We're called to meet both our internal needs and we are each called to engage our unique good works to serve the world around about us. Just as the carrier is a platform for deploying planes, the church should be the premier home base for deploying believers to live on a mission. Imagine if a carrier sought to accomplish mission by attracting and consuming rather than deploying and sending. God designed Celebration Church. I've added that in, to deploy every believer to live on mission. What would it look like for the church to see its role as platforms to release, platforms of release to deploy believers? Jesus designed the church to function as a revolution with every believer engaging their unique calling and gifting to deploy. You want to be great in God's kingdom? You want to be a big deal? You want to be great in God's kingdom? Learn to be a servant of all. This morning, you may be here, and you may be saying, well, Pastor Lathan, I hear what you're saying, and I understand serving, but you know the thing you said right at the very beginning about the fact that the motivation for serving needs to be just because I love Jesus? And you may be saying, I'm not too sure what it means to really love Him. I know that something's not going right in my life. I know that there's been situations and I've tried to rule my life, be on the throne of my life, control my life. And boy, I can see this is not working. But something as I've been in the service this morning, during the worship time, during the prayer time, during the the, the preaching of the word, something's happening inside. And I'm beginning to realize I need Jesus. I need a savior. I need someone that that has died and shed his blood for me. In just a moment, we're going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to invite all of us to pray the prayer after me. Before we take communion, before we remember what Christ did, as we break the bread and as we partake of the cup, representing the body and blood that Jesus shed for us. But before we do that, the opportunity for you to pray. Maybe you're going to pray it for the first time. Maybe it's a prayer you've prayed before. But if you're praying it this morning from your heart, meaning it from your heart, the good news this morning, The gospel this morning is that Jesus comes. 
he will forgive you of your sins. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In fact, the word of God says that he, your sins will be as far away as the east is from the west. It's though you've never sinned. When Jesus and God looks down on you, all he sees now is the blood of Jesus covering your life. And it's like you've never sinned. I was talking to somebody this weekend, one of the men at the manly camp. And they were telling me a little bit about their life years ago. And I'm telling you, it was hard for my mouth not just to drop open. I mean, I, my life was pretty bad. But boy, that, this person has experienced all kinds of things. But you know what is exciting about it to me? What I heard him say again and again. That's how I used to live. My life has been changed. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me from those sins. I am now making choices and living a life to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that very same truth can be yours this morning as well. So I'm going to invite you, if you just bow your heads with me, invite you to repeat this simple prayer after me. And again, if you're praying it for the first time this morning from your heart, God's promise to you is that new life, salvation, So would you repeat these words? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart tells me I need you. I now confess my sin and repent of my sin and by faith ask you to come into my life as my Savior and my Lord. Amen.